I would like to look at the book of Philippians as a whole. In the study this morning, the time does not permit. I don't guess there's any book that I've spent any more time in study in the New Testament than the book of Philippians. But I would like for us to look at just a few verses here in Philippians chapter 1 and note here. Paul's attitude primarily toward these people in Philippi. I know of no better way to begin this meeting than looking at this passage here. When we might entitle the lesson, Thank God for You. And I really believe that we can see in Philippians chapter 1, Paul's tender relationship to these people here in Philippi. We look at this book from time to time. We see in the life of Paul joy. Even in view here in the first chapter of the circumstances that he was confronted with. And I often, and I knew that we did not have time for this in the study this morning like to look at the first 11 verses here in this chapter and note the fellowship that Paul had with these people in Philippi. First of all, in verse 3, he says that he has these people in his mind. He said that upon every remembrance of you, And then in verse 7, we find that he says that you're in my heart. I love you people. And then in verse 9, that that we see in so many of the writings of Paul, that he always had these people in his prayers. And this I pray, that your love may abide. Paul said this fellowship involved having these people in his mind, in his heart, and in his prayers. Oh, there's such deep thought here. There come those times that we come to the head of that casket with the family there, and we know nothing else to say but I wanted you to know that I'm thinking of you. You ever been there? Not knowing what to say? And that's about it. I care for you. I'm thinking of you. Are these the words of Paul then in Philippians chapter 1? And I want us to note this part of this part of fellowship this morning. How that he always had these people in his mind, that he was always thinking of them. Thank God for you. And I feel that we might have people in the congregation this morning. And I I couldn't think of a more appropriate beginning of this meeting than as I think of the church here in Talladega. Thank God 
for you. But now then, no doubt every time that Paul thought of these people, find that he was filled with joy. I really do not believe that there's anything that is missing anymore in the body of Christ today than really this kind of relationship one with another. I'm not talking about running around and telling everybody that I love you, I love you, I love you. But by our daily walk and our activities day in and day out of letting brothers and sisters in Christ know that I love you. I think back to 1966, moving here, the nine years that we spent here, and I will always be indebted to the church in Talladega. Friends, there are too many wrong relationships in the congregations of the Lord's people throughout this land today that are taking hold, that are destroying the fellowship that should exist in the local congregation. One of the big problems that we find among mankind today is there are too many people that just cannot forgive others of sin. You know, we have trouble forgetting a lot of times when these things are in the lives of others. I think of an elder in the Lord's church this morning. Have not a better friend upon this earth. There was a young lady about six years ago that someone had given her and her two daughters free tickets to Six Flags. The only day that she could go was the first day of the week. Everything's been looked into. Her husband's serving faithfully as a deacon now. The family's recognized as being faithful. I went to the young lady and talked to her about the situation. But there is the elder that continues to talk. That I cannot have any respect for this woman that would take her children to Six Flags on Sunday. Did he talk to her about it? No. Did he ask anybody else about the situation? He hasn't until this day. I've been in elders' meetings when it's been brought up and he continues to mention the trip to Six Flags. He should have known that up there at East Gadsden they have a six o'clock service for Goodyear work. That's on the way to anybody going from Blount County to Atlanta, Georgia. 
He didn't bother to find out. Oh, we don't have attitudes like that, do we? But I think that we all recognize this is ever so dangerous. And then one of the big things today, and that is the little groups getting together, and there's the grumping and the grumbling that goes on. These can these things can destroy a congregation. All oh, what we talk about here is simply that a congregation can be rendered powerless because of a lack of love. I want us to note three points in the lesson this morning from the statement that Paul makes here about thanksgiving. Number one, that there is value in remembering. Now then, as we look at the Bible, we see that we're told in the Bible that there are certain things that we do need to remember. In Ecclesiastes 12, verse 1, The wise man said, Remember now thy Creator in the days of thy youth. A special exhortation here to those that are younger to remember their Creator. And in Luke 17, verse 32, we find that Jesus made that simple statement, that is to remember Lot's wife. While we need to gain by the experiences of others as we look at the successes of others and as we look at the failures of others, we can gain from these. And this is the simple thing that Jesus had in mind here when he said that we need to remember Lot's wife. Then in 1 Corinthians 11 at verse 24, we find Paul quoting from Jesus himself as he instu- as we say instituted the Lord's Supper said to re- uh, this do in remembrance of me and then there's great exhortation in Revelation chapter 2 find John here speaking the words of our Lord to church at Ephesus, said to remember therefore from whence thou art fallen. You go back to verse before this, we find that John was quick to remind these people that some of them had left their first love. So there are certain things that we need to remember as we think of the Bible as a whole. But now that Paul's talking about these people at Philippi in particular, and he says that he remembered these people in Philippi. Well, there in Acts chapter 16, we find throughout the chapter here things recorded that happened as Paul came to Philippi. But... uh, going out on the Sabbath because there there was a group of women that were gathered by the river 
For Paul goes out in the midst of these as recorded in Acts chapter 16. And it is here that we're simply told of Lydia's baptism into Christ. Ah, this always meant, no doubt, so much to Paul as he thought of the beginning of the work here in Philippi. And as soon as she was baptized, well then we find there was the damsel with the Spirit and uh, she was a great gain commercially to people there and Paul cast out. Hey, this caused all kind of trouble. They knew that their uh, unlawful means of making it commercially was destroyed. They cast Paul silent into prison. You're all familiar with that account. As we go to the last part of the chapter here, there they were with the earthquake coming, all these great happenings, and the jailer was ready to take his own life because thinking that Paul and Silas were gone. Afterwards, the jailer in his house, being baptized in the Christ. Great happenings in Philippi. And Paul always remembered these things. You know, I don't think that it'd be appropriate at this time to uh, have personal. Uh, testimonial service. But I wonder how many times do we stop and think of the good things that have happened in our lives? As Christians, and just like this, thinking of special people that have had an influence in your life. Thinking of congregations that have had a great influence in your life. Mary Moore came up to me a few minutes ago and said, You know me? I said, Well, you're not Doc Moore. <laughs> I, I knew who she was. You don't drive a dump truck, do you? <laughs> All you old folks, our, no, excuse me. <laughs> the older folks here, uh, you know why I remember her. I'm not taking away from her. But it's because of that mother. All my days in preaching and teaching, I've never used more as an example of a spiritual giant than Daisy Hurst. I don't talk about men. I don't talk about great gospel preachers. 
talked about the one who lived right here for so many years and they kept that house there and I'm glad they did. For her. And she'd come out that door and she'd say, we needed that. <laughs> it was always, we needed that. Let me ask you, can you remember the day that you were baptized into Christ? May the 11th, 1952. That was a special day to me. And always will be. Some of you say, well, you weren't but about two years old, were you? No, if you want to figure... I was 14 the next month. Nearly 14. Should have done it two years. At least before that. Sitting right over there down at Sunset Avenue. And I hit that aisle and there was my buddy Hoyt Avenue right behind me. We had been waiting on each other. That was a great day. Being baptized into Christ. I know that there are some of you. Now, I'm not going to get into this sentimental thing and personal examples. But I can remember two or three of you, of days that you came and I was involved. You called me and I came and we talked. And I remember one in particular that he said, if I need you again, I'll call you. And as far as I know, that man's been faithful to the Lord till this day. His life wasn't anything that he was proud of up to that point. But he knew that he had to do something. Might be the possibility of losing his wife, losing his family, and he knew above all of losing his soul. So a lot of us, the day we were baptized in the crime, there were so many this morning, it may be, That time that I redetermined that I'm going to be faithful unto my Master. Let me ask you at this time, has there ever been a better day in your life spiritually than this one right now? Think about that. I really believe it's something that you need to think about. What about myself right now?
Paul pointed out. It's worth something to remember something. But now then, let us note in the second place here, there's a value in remembering positive things about other people. Paul here in Philippians 1, 3 said, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. Now then we ask, was the church of Philippi uh, perfect? Well, all we have to do is turn to the third chapter, note verses 18 and 19. When he said, For many walk, of whom I have told you often now, tell you even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, who mind earthly things. And then jump on down to the fourth chapter, the second verse. Paul said, I beseech you, Odious and Syntyche, that they be of the same mind in the Lord. While there were problems in the church at Philippi, there's no doubt about it. Has there ever been a congregation of the Lord's people where uh, problems did not exist? Well, I think that we all realize we're human beings. They're not any perfect elders. They're not any perfect deacons, leaders in the church, preachers, uh, Individuals that go to make up the body of Christ. We all have problems. But now then, the thing that I want us to focus in upon at this time is that Paul just refused to get involved and allow all of his attention to be directed to those things of a negative nature. Do you think there might have been some people that were known to gossip in the church at Philippi? Probably so. Were there are those people that were troublemakers? Well, probably so. But Paul didn't dwell on these characteristics. What he did is he always thought about those that were faithful. Now, as Paul thought of these people, I think we can see that which is the theme of the book of Philippians coming to the front. When we look here at verse 4, and he said, Always in every prayer of mine for you all, making request with joy. Paul was filled with joy as he remembered these people in Philippi. And then in verse 5, For your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. I really believe that here is something as we look at Paul's relationship with these people in Philippi that we are not appreciative of enough as we should be as Christians today. And that is the unparalleled fellowship that we have as New Testament Christians. And I really believe that we need to think about this as we find that we get on in life 
things get busier and busier and busier, quite often it's easy for us to allow other things to stand in the way and to keep us from enjoying that fellowship that we have above all. Well, I think of the word fellowship, and I like to go back to 1 John chapter 1. In verse 3, John's admonition to these people was that they come on and enjoy the fellowship that he enjoyed. That fellowship is with the Father and with his Son. And then in verse 7, of 1 John 1, if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. There's not anything to compare with the fact that we know that we have fellowship with the Father and with the Son and then with the greatest people up on the earth, God's people. If we are a faithful New Testament Christian. And then in verse 6, he thought of their good work. Being confident of this very thing, that he which, he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Who do you think Paul was thinking of here? Well, he's thankful for himself, what he had done there. The work among these people. What we read in the book of Hebrews 11 about Abel. Why? By his faith, he yet speaketh. These people here in Philippi were still speaking for Paul. He had planted the seed, and the work was continuing. Paul says, as long as these people live. His work was going to go on. And these people here in Philippi. Now then, let me ask you. What do you think about when you think about the people of this congregation? We don't want anybody to reply right here. But you know, this is something to, to think about, isn't it? If you were to ask me about the negatives of telling me, I could, I could name some. But Benita at least knows that, that I don't talk about Those are not things that I talk about about Tyler Digger from the pulpit. I'd just like to hear what some of you people might be saying at this time. And... I want to tell you. It's like when we went to Pigeon Forge recently. There were eight couples from out at uh, Antioch. That's neat. And we do this, try to do this twice a year. We'll go to Pigeon Forge or the Smokies. And uh, 
in the spring or the fall, and then we'll go to Gulf Shores in the spring or the fall. Now, some of you know, some of us like to play golf. I don't know why, but uh, we, yeah, we've been known to carry our golf clubs. But this is what we did this last trip. We said, no golf clubs. Leave your golf clubs at home. Now, I was surprised. We would settle down at night and we'd think about things we ought to think about. And then we'd get up and ladies would cook breakfast and then we'd have our devotional and they'd get on, on up in the morning before, now then, you have free time until. And do you know what some of those people go to the Great Smoky Mountains to do? They went down there to the mall. Do you believe that? We had three days. Benita and I had two old, I mean, two old elderly ladies that we talked into going. And so we said, well, while we're up here, we want to eat here. And they said, we're with you. But then uh, we planned the first day what we wanted to do. And they said, we're going out there to Cage Cove. Some of them went out to Cage Cove, and they zip, and they were around there 11 miles, and they were out to the malls and everywhere else. These ladies said, let's, let's go around and then we come back and we'll go over Rich Man's Mountain there. Y'all know where that is? Yeah. See there? No, you don't know where it is. Well, if you go back up there, go to Cage Cove, go down there to that Baptist church and take that road, Rich Man's Mountain or Gap or whatever it is, 11 miles across their town. Where you see it. Hey, that's what you go to Pigeon Forge for, or the Great Smokies. Yeah, they were looking for the bears and the deer and all this and couldn't find them. Zip, and they were gone. Next day, where are we going? Well, sweet little old ladies, they said, let's go out there, out of Airport Road, and go up there around uh, Ogden's. Is that it? Uh, that, that gap. That road. How many of you ever been up that one? Uh, you missing it? They wanted to see the beautiful waterfall and the green moss on the rocks. I've never seen anything like that. Boy, these ladies, I mean, we were seeing it all. And where'd y'all go? I went down here to the golf shop and bought us a dozen balls. Go all the way to Pigeon Forge to buy you God box. We don't appreciate what's before us a lot of times, do we? And I dare say, a lot of you people right here do not appreciate what you have right here in this congregation. Some of the greatest people in the world.
Now then, the last part. The value of expressing appreciation to those we love. Paul wasn't just thankful, but we find that he told these people that I'm thankful for you. Here we go again. Cecil Buckle, you remember how that you used to work, some of you do, six days a week. That 3 to 11 shift down there, we had to, wasn't it? And her living over there in that little mill house. And if she had one Saturday afternoon of the month off, she'd invite us for the boys to come over and that pound cake, supreme, wasn't that what it was called? Well, that, that crust on it, man, you don't need icing. Ooh. How many of us remember Cecil Buckle? Great one. But before we left there, you always tell us. I want you to know that I don't go to bed at night until I've prayed for you. Now I tell you that'll that'll get you. That'll get you. Having difficulties with someone, first of all, make sure you mean it. And look them eyeball to eyeball and tell them, I'm praying for you. Boy, it's hard to hate anybody that we're praying for, isn't it? Yes. So here's the thing Paul did. I like this here in verse 7, getting a little, I mean 9, a little beyond, but he said, I pray for you people. And he told them so. And I really believe that we need to do that. Uh, Hebrews 10, 24. The writer there says, Let us consider one another to provoke unto love and good works. I know the way that it is. Uh, we'll go on to verse 25. We need to emphasize verse 25. Not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together as a matter of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. And this is the way we do it a lot of times. We'll take this Bible more or less and beat them over the head with it and you ought to know better than what you they should. They shouldn't be forsaking the assembly. But now then, there's one thing that we ought to do day in and day out and do it more and more 
and that is to think of each other. Let us consider one another and to provoke unto love and good works. Now then, this word provoke in the original Greek simply comes from words means to stimulate. To stimulate love and good works. This is something that we need to do, and that is to be an encourager rather than so much of a discourager, lifting people up. And I'm convinced that this was a major part of happening when these people came together. In the assembly was the fellowship, the exhorting, and the encouraging. If not, why not? I really believe that this is the way that it should be. We should be a positive people. Speaking to our brothers and sisters in Christ and encouraging them. And this should be a carryover to the worship service itself. What good is appreciation if it's never expressed? A lot of wives can appreciate this, can't they? I finally tell my wife, for all you, I appreciate everything she did to get me ready to come down here. Should have told her before. Should have a lot of help running all of these copies. I think of a family at this time, and their their dearest friends. I well, I can't say that because some of you are the dearest friends. Real close to them, and I know six years ago. They were talked about. Their children were talked about. We've tried to be patient with them because he has, she has, the children have a lot of ability. And I just took the time to sit down with this family and to tell them how proud I was of them. And I, I can talk to these people just like I can talk to my own wife, and they understand. They can talk to me in that way. And I said, I know you've got a ways to go yet, but I want you to know that I am so proud of you. Oh, you think they had ever been told that before? By a church leader in a sense? Never, never. And now then you talk to them and the mother will tell you how it's this teenage daughter that's leading them and influencing them and all. Right attitude. But 
This is what we need to do a lot of times. Recognize, yes, there are people out there that have problems, but they need some encouragement from us. And we need to encourage. And we have things that we can do, and you know these things as well as I. The time did get away. But thank God for it.